Hi and welcome. My name is Brendan Kelly and I'm joined in the studio today by Perry Martin. Welcome, Perry. Welcome, Brendan, and welcome listeners and watchers of this video. The conversation today is centered around beliefs and their impact on business and on investing. Um, let me start with, a, with a, a concept which I've, I've shared on rare occasions so, and it's a bit, bit, a bit left of centre. But let's, let's start with a concept. I did a, um, uh, a presentation a couple of decades ago now and the, the presentation was centred on, on proof of existence. Now there's a guy named Descartes who, um, who explored the idea of proof of existence. So my question, Perry, go with the flow, Perry, what proof do you have that you exist? Well, <laughs> allow me to chuckle and to laugh because uh, you, I didn't know you had this philosophical side of you. <laughs> um, and I'm intrigued, by the way. So, so uh, well, I have a huge interest in philosophy. How do I know I, I exist? I, I don't. Ah, um, right. So you do, you do know that you exist. One sec. I don't, right? And I'm going to tell you why. Because I can have an experience of I am. Yep. Okay, yeah. but what, what if I am is just an illusion? Okay, so again, okay. it leads down the path of what proof do you exist? What proof I do you exist? I have, well, I, I, have, I, have uh, uh, I have experiences. So when uh, I wake up... No, look, pause, pause. I'm just cutting you off deliberately. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. You say you have experiences. Tell me that, how you know you have experiences. Because I perceive that I'm having these experiences. Good. How do you perceive you're having these experiences? Through what, what mechanism do you perceive you're having these experiences? Well, it comes through the different senses. Bingo. It's the, the first thing that I can say. Correct. So, yeah. so Descartes pretty much locked himself in a room and said, to, said, what proof do I have that I exist? So he thought about his life and what he did and what he got up to. And he recognised that, that while these experiences occurred in, in the real world, he pose the same question that you had, which is, well, hang on, there's, this is, it's all an interpretation. Uh, basically, I live my life through my senses, touch, sight, taste, smell, sound. And it's only through those central mechanisms that we get to interact with the world. So the proof that we have that we exist is through those senses. Or so we think, let me ask a different question. Have you ever been walking down the street and thought somebody said your name and you turn around and nobody's there? I've never, I don't think I've ever thought someone said my name. I could feel someone looking at me and turn around and someone staring at me. Have you ever thought, okay, good. Have you ever felt something that nothing, that, that, or, or, or thought you got a touch when, when there was nothing there to touch you? Have you ever uh, heard something that, that when you look around there that couldn't possibly have existed. Have you ever seen something? I've had all sorts of experiences that, um, of that, that ilk, right? right? Experiences where, well, that doesn't make sense. Cool. Right, right. So then the question becomes, what are senses and how do they work? And the idea of senses is it's, there are receptors in our body that send an electrical impulse to our brain for an interpretation of what's occurring. So senses really boil down to some form of electrical impulse. Now, if we've got then the ability to go, I thought I heard something and no one was there. I thought I felt something, nothing touched me. I thought I saw something and, and I couldn't have possibly seen that. If we've got that, then, then how true and real are our electrical impulses that interpret 
what we sense? Is there a vulnerability in that, in the relationship with the world? Is there a possibility that since it is electrical senses only, that maybe those senses are an interpretation? So if we can't rely on our senses, what proof do we have that we exist? Well, again, I'll come back to what I was saying before, because you asked me whether I had. I don't. I have no proof that I exist. I have these experiences. But the key thing here, look at look at this, is the I, the sense of I. You really want to go down this on this video? I guess just, just a few more seconds. Yeah, one second, right. get it. But one sec. The concept of I, right? Because there, there. When you say, "Do I have proof of an I?" I, I have. Maybe I'm just a hologram. Maybe I am just a. A, a virtual reality machine with a concept of I that perceives things through its senses, but there is no I or no identity associated with that sense of I. <laughs> yeah, good. And, it's, and, and what you're saying will, will, will hit a point of uh, relevance very, very shortly. So if you go down the path of, of I can't trust my senses, then you go down the path of, well, what, what absolute pure proof is there that I exist? And when you boil it all down, the only proof of existence is the very fact that you can ask the question, do I exist? The only proof of existence is the power of thought. The only, the only real truth is that you can actually ask yourself the question, do I exist or, or what am I thinking or to actually collect or create a thought. So your concept of I pair is exactly right. See, really left of center, a bit matrixy if you've seen the movie Matrix. There's I'm a nothing... big believer in the matrix. I love the I concept of the matrix. Correct. There is nothing to say that you aren't some sort of brain in a jar imagining all of this. <laughs> Correct. Correct. You know, you, there's no reason that, that says why you know, I could be a, a part of the matrix or, or not. I could be one of a collective of jars with brains in them on a shelf. And my reality is me creating this story where I'm sitting in front of a camera and I'm talking to a guy named Perry and I'm sharing thoughts as they come up and, and, and experiences as, as it for the betterment of all. So that could be some sort of fictitious story that I so am embroiled in that I call it a truth. There is no proof of existence other than thought. Well, let's now take that a little bit deeper. If thought is all there is as proof. Can, can you go deeper than what you've just gone? Yeah. Well, I'm impressed. If thought is all there is that is existence, yeah, can you not see then that what you think about determines your existence? Can you not see then that what attitude or perspective you carry around how you think determines the outcome of the life that you live? Therefore, all truth going forward, all things that you create in your own life are a product of everything that you think about. Oh, I, 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 so there's, there's, no, there's no part of me that would disagree with that. In, in fact, after working with thousands upon thousands of people <laughs> deeply and intimately in business and investing space, I would say that beliefs, the way you view life and your beliefs are the primary creator of your experience and what you end up experiencing in life. There's no doubt to me in that. Agreed. So our thought, our thought 
then which determines our existence our thought creates for ourselves our sense of belief we have a series of thoughts they're infantile they mature we create beliefs from the maturing thoughts so we create a sense of beliefs and then from those sense of beliefs we create an existence so there are a lot of people in this world who think stuff happens to them as a reality there are a lot of people in the world who who think that they're powerless as a reality there are a lot of people in this world who think that that there is some blend of, of what's happening out there that is happening to me or with me or a result of me. But uh, I'd like to challenge those people into the idea that who you are in this planet is predominantly an outcome of how you think and what you do. So if thought is the basis of all things going forward. Then our real power here is our ability to control how we think. Our, see, thought is not a, a subject of what occurs to us or some hormonal positioning or pheromone positioning. Thought is in fact something that we have the power to dictate and control and manage ourselves so we can manage our own thoughts. If we do, can you see then that, that we have the capacity to create our own life as we choose it? So taking then the idea of business, taking the idea of beliefs leading to business and investing, who we think about and how we think is the most fundamental and, and powerful creator of what future that we have or that we, we build for ourselves. You, 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 it is, sorry, I just got to step in here. I mean, I love how you've started today. It's, it's, it, you're, you're taking us very deep, very quickly, because it, it is it is your belief systems. And I also want to get into the difference between thoughts and beliefs, because you've introduced thoughts. Mm -hmm. Thoughts become beliefs, people, if you entertain them and lock them in and hardwire them in, which we'll talk about. Thoughts themselves, because everyone's experienced this, where you have a thought and you think that thought's stupid. Okay, so that's just a thought that you comes on through and dismiss. Or if you, yeah, that you just dismiss and you, you realize the ludicrousness of it. Beliefs tend to be, they were thoughts once that now get locked in to human consciousness, uh, into the brain through neural pathways, um, or locked into in as energetic predispositions and, and you would, yep. wouldn't you choose that see as a concept while you have a thought you then choose to make it a belief rather than choose to dismiss it you actually have the power of choice in what is a belief based from a thought at that infinitesimal moment at the time you have it you can go that sounds like a truth i'll believe it or that sounds not like a truth i'll dismiss it but you determine that by some sort of decision-making process. Yeah, you, 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 that's a decision-making process. Um, but when you're a young person, as an example, it, it's, there's no decision-making process really goes into the development of, of belief structures, meaning turning thoughts into belief structures. Can I challenge that for a second? I think that there is. You just don't know that it's happening. I think at a young age... 
there is always a decision-making process, but, but your decision is not based necessarily on what you learn or pick up. It's based on whether you trust the person who tells you. So if, for example, you have a, a, a thought, let's say, and you've got something that somebody says and you go, okay, I trust them. I don't know anything about the subject matter. Therefore, I'll take it as a truth and I'll make it a belief. But you've well, made well, a decision well, based on a trust process. I, I, uh, I would debate what you're saying. Please. And, and I would debate it on a, a couple of different levels. And, and just so you know, I love where we're going with this. Because like, actually, before I get into that and answer that, I'd say, uh, look, I, I, love, look I, I love philosophy, obviously. Um, I, I love trying to understand what we are and, and how we are. And, and for the most part, Brendan, when I'm working with my clients and, 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 and what have you, I pretty much stick to what are known facts and, and what science will verify in transforming behaviours and what have you. But, you know, you, you started this, the, the video podcast today with a philosophical question that leads into uh, the phys- philosophical pursuit of who are we, what are we, or the metaphysical or the scientific pursuit of what are we. So as an example, you know, no one knows what anything is yet. Like uh, reduction of science brings us and reduces us down to the lowest molecule as an example or, or lowest part, but then they look into that and they can see infinite more things, right? So there's no way any of us know what anything actually is at this point. And you talk about the matrix. So I, I would muck around this concept to Jung as well, like theories of consciousness. So maybe we are just one consciousness and we perceive ourselves to be individuated consciousnesses. So there is no sense of I. Okay, so these are sort of things that I love to look at. I don't bring them into my work because there's no science for them. You can, you, you can help people transform patterns and beliefs and behaviours just with the, with the really good quality science we have now. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and when you start to look at, by the way, from the perspective of collective unconscious or, or one, one consciousness, you're looking at, evolution of human consciousness so if there is only one consciousness but it appears we 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 only know that consciousness through what they call individuation as we evolve as species we only evolve as species through changing belief structures like the species only evolve so as an example if you go back a hundred years or or a little bit further you know uh, christians really believed that it was okay to keep slaves uh, you know, and then over about 20 years, uh, suddenly the majority of Christians believe it was not okay to keep slaves. And you can see the rise of the feminist movement as an example, where women went, hey, we're not just homemakers. You, you, you'll see that human consciousness and human development relies on a transformation of, of, of belief structures. That's how we tend to evolve. Now, that happens uh, from a uh, a species perspective, a cultural perspective, and as an individual perspective. So as an example, when we're, 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 well, we're and sharing... generationally. We're, and generationally. So what, when we're sharing what we're sharing today, people are listening because they want personal evolution, but that also helps the collective evolve. Um, but back to that question. Well, sorry, just um, through the generational perspective, just for a second. If you think about it, that you've got a generation that came out of World War II. And at the back end of World War II, taking this back to a business and money thing, back end of World War II, people were straightening nails in order to preserve expenses. My grandfather would spend uh, half a day uh, extracting nails out of timber to straighten them so he wouldn't have to go and buy another packet of nails. And Brendan, can I just say something to that? Then, by the way, and this is gentlemen listening, because this is about wealth right now, what we're talking about. 
that that um, belief system that your was it, it was your grandfather that inherited he inherited that through the environment because correct um, and then but here's what gets really important because i'm not i'm not letting you away with that statement before about you know we're having a debate about whether children are uh make a decision or not and i want to get back to that but this this is really useful i'll finish my argument with with no, no, we're joking around we like to have these discussions <laughs> ultimately i don't know the truth of this by the way what you and i were debating but i've got a theory on it but anyway um no, no, I do. yeah you're great <laughs> i'm gonna win this by the way this is gonna be really interesting because yeah geez you've really got me thinking now that joke about winning one of the big issues that people have is their attack their, their egos are attached to their beliefs but we'll get into that soon so that thing that you talk about with your grandfather so i just know as a fact after working with thousands of thousands of people that 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 belief system most likely turned up in your consciousness as a young person that belief system from your grandfather's experience got passed down and it would have created a scarcity thinking in you potentially because beliefs are passed down through generations so let's just frame this up for a second after the war resources were few resources were restricted so it was a necessity for your grandfather to, to uh, straighten out the nails and not buy the expensive beef and get the potatoes okay just as an example correct so, that's where i'm going with the whole generational thing so my kid sorry my father was different my father who had um was a baby boomer and who was experiencing a different world where there was no war there wasn't such a requirement for conservation of expenses you weren't so spendthrift you were able to then have, have some disposable income that you could then invest into things or do things with. So um, when I was born, so, so again, go to, going into the, the child conversation around belief structure, when my father was born at the hands of my grandfather, let's say, um, he was taught about being spendthrift, about straightening nails, and that's what he grew up with. But as he grew... In, with on those beliefs on that basis of system he grew up and he's created a certain amount of revenue for himself income for himself um uh, assets for himself uh over a period of time when he had me and i was influenced by what he was experienced based on his youth which was an influence of what his father experienced based on the belief structure of his youth so there is an evolution generation generationally towards the idea of wealth. Now I look at my sons who are 16 and 18 and they are far more liberal with their money because that whole spendthrift requirement is significantly not there because on the back of what I learned from my father when he was in his uh, development years for creating dollars for himself, I, I learned this is by modeling, this is what you are as a, as a, a male in society um, and, and a, a creator of um, income for the family, that sort of stuff. I learned my beliefs and my modeling off that such that I'm in through my and who I am, which is different to my father, is modeling my boys. And they are far more liberal and open for expression than my father was at the, at the hands of his father. Yeah. So we're seeing generational changes, macro generational changes, but I'm saying around the kids' decision process is that at seven, I didn't know anything. I didn't know right from wrong, up from down, except that those 
except from those that were my role models who told me what to do. And because I trusted them and, and endeared faith in them so greatly, I just simply accepted it as a truth. But my decision was to accept what they said as a truth rather than okay. individually assess and each one. And this is where the debate is, because I'm going to say you didn't decide, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, because there's another thing. I want you, here's another thing I want to investigate. <laughs> Look at that. This is good. Um, the, the, your grandfather to your father, okay? So I agree with everything you said, because you can see, well, basically what we were saying before, about the human species evolves through the transformation of beliefs. And if, if you look deep enough, you'll see there are evolutionary forces dictating how consciousness evolves and changes, okay? But coming back to this that we, 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 we were talking about, your grandfather, when he handled down what we might call that very, you know, well, I joke with my wife, that Scottish mentality, that's how they wrap it up, but it is frugality and scarcity. So frugality and scarcity thinking, okay? Now, frugality and scarcity thinking helps your grandfather survive. Really important. Agreed. Yep, yep. Now, your father he would have had an, an aspect, he was born, I'm going to say that, he was born with an aspect of that frugality um, because it was in the family matrix of consciousness, and I'll get right into what I mean by that. I can be a bit more uh, grounded because it gets passed through the genetics um, or other ways that we inherit uh, our, uh, our bloodlines, belief systems. And for him to evolve, your father to evolve, he may have had to address the dysfunctional elements of your grandfather's conditioning. In a new environment, okay. I agree. Okay. So this is, yeah, right, you can see that. And then your father handed you things that you would have had to look at and surpass to move and create wealth in the way that you wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. Correct? Yep. So <clears throat> this is why we tend to inherit experiences, family experiences from past lineages based on their environment. Okay, so a war environment creates uh, a certain way of thinking. We've just been through a very prosperous period for the most part. So our, our kids have no concept of frugality in, in the way that your grandfather had because mm -hmm. it's not pushed on him, uh, on, on kids today, uh, from the external experiences. In our society. Uh, in our society. And, and, and none of us have experienced what it's like to be in a war and be truly benefit of resources. Well, some of us may have, but for the most part, if you grew up in the Western world, you don't. So, so all I want to say here is that those things are passed through. So typically we have to overcome the dysfunctional elements of what's been passed down to us from our, our lineage. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is uh, to, to create wealth. Now, oftentimes, I just want to get clear about this, and I'm beating on the subject, but it's not that what they are teaching us is wrong because it was right for their environment, wrong for our environment. So as a, a case in point, we'll just bring this back to a wealth-creating principle. Um, your, your grandfather would have never spent the money to get someone else to do something, to grow his business, if he had a business as an example, because his whole mindset was don't spend money, you hold on to it, so I'm going to do everything myself. Your father, uh, the best way to grow his business may have been, well, I've got to have other people, you know, we've been doing podcasts on this, do these things so I can stay in my highest dollar productive zone. 
So your father would have to see that one of his inherited tendencies was to go, well, don't just do it all myself, okay? And that's that evolutionary process where we uh, observe the belief system being passed down from the, our family and work out what suits this environment, economic environment, wealth creating environment, and letting go of those belief systems or rewiring those belief systems that don't work in this environment. Okay, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But then I'm going to come back to that thing before where the debate started. You, you, you said that as a child, you consciously made the decision. I would say no. I would say that uh, care, as care required, care required. I, as a child, you make the decision to trust your parents. Great. I will, I will. Um, and then whatever they say, you adopt because you trust them. And you don't know any better. Okay, so we won't get stuck. We, yeah, we won't get stuck on this. So we won't get stuck on this because we probably won't agree. I agree the mechanism, the mechanism is correct. The mechanism, the problem is you trust your parents. Mm -hmm. okay? And, you know, for, for, for the most part, that can work out or it may not work out because it won't work out if your parents, uh, you trust your parents, you take on their belief systems and those belief systems don't serve you. The difference is I would say that's an unconscious process, mm -hmm. meaning there's no one choosing. And uh, now, uh, uh, why would I say that? So in my experience working with people, there are a couple of things that show up. First of all, the, the predisposition to trust your parents. It, it's a predispositioned. In my experience, it looks like it is a predisposition to trust your parents, meaning that is inherent in human species, mm -hmm. that there is no such thing as a free will decision in doing that. You're just programmed that way. So I would say uh, it goes, okay. yeah, you get me? So yeah, yeah. we don't need to go into, but that would be my take. I would say okay. it's an unconscious process, not a conscious process. So we're going to accept. Yeah, we can, uh, you know, I, so, I don't know the truth of that either, but it, it, that's how it appears Aside from the semantics here about, about how that's described, broadly speaking, we are in alignment that is your parents and as a young person who recognises they don't know any better about the world and feeling vulnerable to those surroundings of the world and feeling somewhat powerless to influence the world, let's say, are influenced by primarily the parents and then broadly more every adult who is considered to be older and wiser than I am. and Authority figures. Correct. And through that collective yeah. system, you create a subconscious process of beliefs. First initiated, initiated through thought and then straight into the belief structure. As you mature and you get the power of authority within self, you get to see that you can choose and, and know those you listen to are not always right and they don't always align with your belief systems over the period of time that you accumulated. Then um, you start to make your own decisions and it is a thought process that begins first. You either choose to take it as a belief in its own right, choose to dismiss it in its own right, or choose to investigate it further to assess whether you should believe it or whether you should dismiss it. Uh, and by the way, Brendan, um, in that, and this is for everyone listening and watching, because I, I just think it's really important to, to point out, because you and I, we don't have conversations about this, but for everyone listening, you, you're actually really highlighting a key foundational principle. So anyone that's just watched or heard Brandon, what you'll notice is Brandon has a couple of things showing up. And the first one is 
a desire to inspect his beliefs. You can see that, a, a, a desire to inspect them. Now, that desire to inspect them is based on uh, a sense for Brendan that my beliefs may not tell me the truth, okay? My beliefs may not be true and they're setting me up for some form of failure or, or, or some form of limited result as a wealth creator. And by the way, beliefs impact every real life. So that's the first thing. Now, so what you see in that process now, Brendan's willing to go in and sift through the different belief structures and look at them and see whether they serve and work with them, whether they're true or not. You've said that, haven't you, Brendan? And I'm just explaining the mechanism. Okay. So what you're seeing in Brendan is uh, you, everyone here will get the, the mechanism of that, the willing to inspect belief systems um, based on being willing to, to, to see that your beliefs may not be telling you the truth. Now, it, if, if, if a person's not at that place, we can talk about that, they'll never do the work to change their beliefs. Okay? They won't do the work. Now, you can see that Brendan's ego is not attached. So the ego is a personality structure. He, his, 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 his sense of persona is not based on believing his truth. His persona is not based on being right. Because for the most people, for, for most people, Brendan, and, and I am saying most, I don't know what the percentage is, but most people, we're hardwired to want to believe our beliefs. And uh, our sense of self is, is based on uh, believing our beliefs. So human beings have a predisposition to believe their beliefs and then hang their hat on their, those beliefs. And this shows up in people's need to be right. Now, if you need to be right, you won't want to inspect your belief systems. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, way too hard. If you want to think you're right all the time and, and you are committed to being right all the time, then inspecting your beliefs opens the possibility that you're not right and you just can't hack it. You can't hack it. You can't play it. Yeah, okay. So just, uh, just to show how this, like, this, is, this, is a, this, is, this is how humans are. What you see being played out in the world when you see, like, I, I forget what I was watching. Yes, I, my wife read me a story about how uh, a Muslim woman was uh, allowed to put her... To, have to, to give birth to her baby before she was stoned, stoned to death for having sex with a Christian man, okay? Yeah. Um, feeling a bit angry. It's just like, again, this is the ludicrousness of religious people who believe their beliefs, we, who, who do all sorts of things in the name of beliefs that they're not willing to investigate as wrong because their entire life, their entire sense of self is set up on these beliefs that are just not true. So for them, the price of owning that their beliefs aren't true is a complete devastation of sense of self, sense of place in the world. This plays out in all the ideologies that you see at war on the planet at the moment. 
there's all these ideologies. I, people that are addicted to ideologies, for the most part, aren't thinkers. They're not thinkers. They, they, they want to believe in right and wrong. And if you're the type of person, for those watching this, that, you know, you go into an argument, like you can see uh, Brendan and I having a discussion about something before we're joking about having an argument, but we're not. Uh, we we want to both know, we both want to work out uh, uh, what's right. We're w willing to engage collectively. Now, if, if you're the type of person who must win arguments, who who people say something that, that um, uh, triggers you because you don't believe what they believe and you, you go to put them down or defend yourself or you're typically not the person who's ready to do inner work around your belief systems because to do that work, you have to display that very thing that, that uh, Brendan started to display before. And, and I'll just mirror this a little bit. I'm okay with myself if my, if my, if I, if my beliefs are wrong. I'm okay with myself if, if I don't know everything. I'm okay if I'm wrong. I'm okay if I made a mistake because my belief systems are incorrect. And, and, and so typically that person, someone like you, Brendan, has a, a deeper sense of self. And their sense of self's not based on belief systems. So as a concept, um, there are a couple of things I say to myself with some frequency. I'm human and, and human is good. Uh, there is no right or wrong. There all there is a decision and consequence. Um, you know, those sorts of things as a form of resonation about a way of being. If there is no such thing as right and wrong, then anything is possible. All there is is decision and consequence. I just need to think about what I'm choosing to do and the consequence of what I'm choosing to do and therefore make a decision for the outcome that I'm after as opposed to some sort of drawn, this is the right way to be and I will defend it to death. Because, so, but, and that will set you up for uh, evolving. Correct. Right? That sets you up to evolve. So now let's go then into back to the topic of conversation today where we've got the sense of belief. You're saying beliefs control action. And you've demonstrated in your conversation already about beliefs for religious outcomes, beliefs for right and wrong. They will dictate how you behave. Beliefs control your biology. Um, for example, you have a belief around uh, the food intake that you have, then you control your food intake, which affects your biology. Um, you have beliefs that affect your ability to manage and, and control your physiology, um, which is an in interesting system because your physiology sometimes it has an ability to affect your thoughts. I don't get hungry, I get hangry. Um, uh, it, 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 for whatever it is, low sugar, whatever it is, I, I start to express as an automatic response, feed me, feed me now, and then phew, everything's in a better place. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. That that's and that's fascinating when you think about that. How beliefs impact your physiology, and then your physiology impacts your thoughts, and therefore your beliefs. Correct, and and we're starting to head into what we call peak performance. So, uh, a lot of the work that we're doing with investors and and business owners is to uh, take away anything that impacts good quality decisions because when you when your uh, physiology is impacted by belief systems an example it can downgrade your your system's ability to make good choices and and if you wouldn't mind i want to dig into something around this this 
beliefs in biology and bring it into, a, 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 actually, I'd like to use a, a very simple and investing analogy. Um, it, it, just how important this thing is about beliefs and um, your biology. Because it's hard to change uh, belief systems for the most part, unless you know what you're doing, because your physiology won't let you contradict a belief system easily. And I'll show you this, okay? Um, and we're actually moving into territory, Brendan, that we haven't talked about lots. So it's interesting. Um, so the aspect of, let's just imagine as an example that someone grows up in a very working class environment. I'm actually thinking of a, a actually thinking of a Chinese lady. This is probably a better uh, um, example. This Chinese entrepreneur that an investor that I worked with, but reasonably working class in, in her upbringing. So, growing up, all she saw in her environment was people trading time for money, and. So her family worked hard. They came to Australia and her family bought a couple of businesses that weren't like the businesses that we talked about in the, the last podcast, which had scale and leverage, right? They can lead to a good life. Because if you grow up in a working class uh, family, for the most part, your belief system says the only safe way to make money is to work for others. And, and work if you, hard for it. And work hard for it. And then if you become an on, entrepreneur, and you often see this with, with um, some of the migrant families that have come from working class backgrounds, when they get into business, the, the businesses that they get into lock them into working really, really hard. Right? Notice that? Yeah, great. They buy another job. They buy another job. Uh, and then families will have five shops, as an example, and, and they're working 14 hours a day, 15 hours a day in the shops and things like that. Um, so... Anyway, long thought of, so she, she grew, grew up with this belief system that the only safe way of making money was working hard for others and that investing in business was dangerous. Now, what happens is that belief system, that thought gets locked into, got locked into her physiology. Now, it got locked into her physiology because all she sees around her is people agreeing to that belief system. And when someone in her uh, tribe that she grew up with went off to start a, a business, everyone else would go, oh, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's the power of the tribe to keep a belief system in place. Um, and, and how, and so, how does that affect physiology? Oh, you right, you see. Because the belief system gets locked into the, into the body, into, into the physiology. Like, you know, again, your mind's not separate from your body. I mean, your, your, your biology and psychology are intertwined. And so you're saying that if, if people have a belief and you go against that belief, your physiology will be affected by that such that it drives you back to the belief. Co correct. You'll see. Okay. So you, you'll see this with investors all the time that you're coaching. Yeah, I do. So, yeah, so what happens, and this is why it's hard and people understand this, um, because beliefs aren't just rational, <laughs> they're actually irrational, locked into the body, locked into the physiology, 
changing the chemical and hormonal hormonal structure of the body. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're getting it. You're getting it without yeah, me yeah, explaining it. How you think determines. Um, how, sorry, what you think about determines the thoughts that you have. Oh, that's that's a bit circular. Let me. Ask and then you I'll that. show you. Yeah, you 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 get know, it. The thoughts and so if you think fear of if you create some fear or some flight process, then your body secretes hormones in accordance with, I need to move on, I need to move rapidly. Whether there's something there or not, you've created that by thinking of it first. So it is your, the, the power of thought in this leads to the impact on the physiology relative to uh, enzyme release, hormonal release, electrical uh, uh, impulses throughout the body. Therefore, it does determine absolutely. The oh, I like how you think. That's correct. So case in point. This woman, she ended up uh, leaving uh, trading time for money and she set herself up a massage shop. And in that massage shop, according to her belief scripts, she was working 60 to 70 hours a week and she had one off cider and the business made a lot of money, but she just kept working based on that script, those 60 to 70 hours a week. She came to me, I looked at her business, her business model, and I said, wow, this is amazing, the margins in this business. You don't need to work. I won't get in her, so she's, what do you mean? I explained to her what she means. And I also show her that she has a duplicable model here. So I said, look, just go and open two more. We now know the criteria. You need high foot traffic, blah, 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 we'd work out what have you. So at that point, she's moving to being trading time for money to being entrepreneurial and setting up assets that work uh, for her, obviously. Uh, the moment she started to think about that, it pushed against the belief system that she had entrenched in her body mind. I'll talk about that in a second. That said, uh, owning a business is dangerous, okay? Because this is what she had before. It's not a real business. You get that. Mm -hmm. Owning a business is what? Well, yeah, owning a business is dangerous. So the moment I suggest that, one part of it goes, yeah, that makes sense. I can Logic. see what you're saying, Perry. Logic. Logic. Side of the body, correct. Yeah. Of the mind. But yeah. the belief isn't triggered because it's trying to protect her because that belief system's a rule. Mm -hmm the emotional side of the body triggers cortisol release it, it and adrenaline what do they call it epi it, 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 so it whacks her adrenal complex and all of a sudden she'll feel a heart racing she'll feel fear and she'll feel anxiety as a result of that chemical release the hormonal release the belief leading to stress leading to stress so now her entire, now she'll also move into what we call contraction because now the body's moving to fight or flight based on that rule system. And all of a sudden, right, you'll get this when you're coaching your, your clients, all of a sudden that rational thought that says, well, that's a great idea, Perry, I'm excited by it, is replaced with terror and anxiety because and these are very real emotions in the body caused by the hormonal and chemical changes associated with the physiology 
that was triggered by that belief structure. Triggered so, by that thought. That thought, but you know, you, you and I will get beliefs are locked in. Thoughts are, yeah, to me they're different. But anyway, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no. But you, you're right. The belief triggers the thought. The belief yeah. is, is yeah. The belief is I can't do or, or or this is not the way it's done. Your thought is I'm scared. Your thought is this is wrong. Your thought is, is yeah, yeah, and and therefore based on the thought, all of your physiological reactions occur. C c correct, and therefore what happens is at that point there's total override of this mechanism and it's really hard for that person to be excited or desire because their physiology is now controlling. It's trying to say, don't do it, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. Like people, people talk about sabotages. And yes, this is a, in this case it is a sabotage, but it, 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 this part's just trying to protect the person based on the belief system, okay? So, so and this is why you have to deal with beliefs with respect. Okay digress for a moment yep now we're talking about the rational versus irrational we're talking about the emotional versus the logical mind the emotional mind will always influence the logical mind logic rarely has supremacy over emotional unless there is an awareness see if you recognize and this is exactly i think this is where you're leading perry if you recognize that it is a belief if you have a self-awareness that is a belief and you recognize that the belief is illogical and you have the power to go, you know what, while that belief exists, I acknowledge that belief exists. Um, I'm challenging that belief, the existence of that as a belief. Then you open the mind to, okay, logic suggests otherwise. I can react emotionally, recognize that it is an automatic response based on belief and then overwrite that by uh, and and create another way of being despite the emotional position so if you're not aware of the emotional position or the belief if you're not aware that the belief structure exists and it will trigger a response by when a certain circumstance or a conversation begins by a certain thought if you're not aware of that and you have that thought your emotions will dictate your outcome flip that around if you are aware of that you recognize that it is an automatic response you then have a power of choice about how you think about that. Do you think that it's a reality? My emotional position is a reality. Or do you think that the logic is a reality and that you have an open possibility for choosing a different path rather than being led down one by an automatic response dictated to you years ago by a decision or a belief structure you created earlier? I totally agree with you. And, and again, just to ground this out, because I'll, I'll add to this, but to ground it out just for the, the listener so you can start to see the model here. So earlier, you can see we worked with Brendan from what Brendan said. He has an openness to inspecting his beliefs and questioning and critiquing his beliefs. Okay, that was what we taught as foundation. Then the second thing he's just talked about, because there's more key principles than what you've just communicated, and the first one is okay uh, a person with high awareness so we've talked about what you need for high awareness that willingness then 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 we now move to awareness phase and for most people this is a journey or a training where you start to be able to bring your ability to observe yourself so what you're saying is you might have a triggered belief that's pumping cortisol through the body or, or joy and excitement, whatever, that's impacting your physiology and changing your state, that 
if you want to evolve, you now need to be able to look at that and go, oh, I know I'm feeling all these uncomfortable emotions, all these really good emotions, but let me look at this belief. This belief isn't serving me. It comes from the past. And, and so you're, you're critiquing that belief, okay? So there's two elements in place there, by the way. First of all, you have, you're actually looking at that belief and observing it. You'll see why this is important in a second. And then you're using another part of you that is now evaluating that belief. Now, that part is typically uh, what we call the analyzer. You call it logic. Yes, it's analyzer logic. Observer awareness, analyzer logic, looking and inspecting. Oh, well, it can go, the logic says, uh, Brendan, um, it's actually safe to set up these massage businesses because here's the risk criteria and the risk criteria is met. So even if it goes to shit, you're only going to lose 30 grand and the chance of losing that, you know, run at about 1%. And there's actually about a 99% chance that you're going to make this money. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Right now, again, we're working with beliefs and, and how you work with this thing. At that point, you now have those three parts. You're observing the emotion, the beliefs and the stories associated with that emotion. I mean, you've got the observer, you've got the thing you're observing, and then you've got something else coming in, critiquing and, and, and analyzing from a logical perspective. Now, believe it or not, again, so I, I do want to break this down because there are people listening to this and watching this that will have diff varying levels of expertise. Uh, around that very thing that you've just talked about. So I, I'm just going to say that what you're, you're talking about leads to a sense of disidentification. Okay. So if you held yourself as a belief, as a truth, and then you question that, you are, you are going through the process of understanding your identity, understanding who, how your belief structure works, and then disengaging from that you call disidentification. You're, you're, you're disidentifying yourself against that identity you created. Yeah, and I'll show you why this is so important, and, and I'll use another analogy. And the other thing, right, just quickly and important, I'd really like to, to continue with this. This is, to me, we're actually having a great discussion, and I reckon that our listeners and viewers will get, an amazing amount out of this if we even continue this and deepen this in our next podcast. I, 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 I second it. So, Brendan, just a quick example. This will help me really pull this down so that people have a basic understanding of what we're going to go into next week. Have you ever had the experience of, uh, you know, you might have been when you saw your wife and when you saw your wife for the first time, uh, you felt a certain amount of lust and passion that just took you over, okay? Or, yeah. Of course. Or, yeah, great. Or have you ever had that experience of something happening and all of a sudden you're just, you are the anger? Uh, and, and, yes, been there too. Yeah, okay. So in, in both those examples, typically we become identified. So just to show you this, when, when something's happened that's just triggered your anger, and just notice then you start communicating from the anger. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You just say what the, and, and, and for everyone, you just say what the angry part, because you triggered an angry part of you. It, it just says what the angry, you just say what the angry part says that you should say. Yep. Right? Yep. 
Okay. So at, at that point, you're identified with the contents of your mind. You, you're identified. You are it as far as you're concerned. Your view is, oh, I am angry because of this. Oh, I am angry, right? However, after that, you've often gone back and you've gone, well, that wasn't actually that wise because now <laughs> another part of you is saying, yeah, you get me? Oh, absolutely. Right, okay. So identification is the problem. Disidentification, we'll come back to the angry one, and anger is one I can use easily, is, ah, something happens out there, anger's triggered in me, and I go, oh, I can feel that anger in me. That anger wants me to say this thing. If I do that, all of a sudden, I'm back where we were before, which is I'm observing the belief structure and the emotions that belief structure is triggering in me, but because I'm observing it and my analyzer is going, hey, the last hundred times you did this, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm joking. Look, <laughs> this, is, this, has got me <laughs> right, this has got me nowhere. At that point, you've set up disidentification and disidentification starts to give you control where when you're identified, you have no control. So how are you disidentified? You are disidentified from that part that wants to control you. You can now see it as part of you that can be questioned. Now, I call that a recognition of an automatic response that you interrupt in the process uh, over a period of time. So again, needing to close and I appreciate that. If you observe self going down an automatic path, um, when you get to the conclusion, you go, oh, I just went down that path again. The next time you observe yourself, you'll catch it a bit sooner. The next time you observe yourself, you'll catch it a bit sooner. You'll catch it a bit sooner, catch it a bit sooner over a period of time, you'll recognize, I feel this, ah, I felt that before, I know where that goes, let's choose a different path. That's what you're calling disidentification. Correct. So you, in, your, in your terms, classically we call it a pattern interrupt. That, interrupt, that yeah. interrupts the automatic pattern. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a disconnect with the automatic uh, and, and a, the recreation of another automatic path that, that works and serves you better because you've learned a different process and a different thought. Yeah. Um, today we started out with a, with a challenge around the proof of existence from the concept of understanding the idea that thought is powerful from the concept of the understanding that thought is actually everything and a collection of thoughts or a repeated set of thoughts over a period of time, create a belief structure. And, um, we discussed different forms of the, the, the creation of that belief structure, whether it be voluntary or involuntary. Um, Needless to say, a belief structure exists. Then we, then we evolve the conversation further into um, how the belief structure that we've put in place already affects our physiology and the way we think. So they're actually intertwined. But we can, we've also followed that conversation with the, and it can be interrupted. We can see and observe our own belief structures, interrupt the process of the path that they normally go down and the consequence thereof, and therefore have and create a different way of being. All of this sets us up for a foundational shift in our ability to create awesome businesses and massive outcomes from our property investing and our other investing. So 
Next week, we'll take this conversation to conclusion so that we can see how to behave such that we can change the businesses and the way we are in business, how we can change our investing and the way we are in investing to open the door to be able to be more efficient, more effective and more productive with it. Until we meet again, invest wisely.